So a guy comes up to me and he says, are you woke? Are you woke? He asked me, are you woke? Well, that seems like a strange question to ask. I mean, ignoring uh, the poor grammar of that construction, you know, I, I was not a great English grammar student in school, but I understand that's not that's not correct English grammar, are you woke? That's not correct. But ignoring that, I mean, it seems sort of senseless for him to be asking me that because here I stand in his presence, I'm conscious, I'm engaging in conversation with him, and he asked me, are you woke? Yes, I, I'm, I'm woke, I guess. I, uh, I mean, although I admit that sometimes about mid-morning I get a little sleepy and I actually put my feet up on the desk to take a little power nap, you know. But usually I'm woke. I mean, yes, I guess so. No, that's not what he means, is it? He doesn't mean, am I awake, which would be the proper grammatical question. He's not asking if I'm awake. He's asking something completely different. And I know that you know that in our modern culture, this term woke has come to mean something else, even to the point that dictionaries now are being forced to add a new definition to the word woke. Notice the Merriam-Webster dictionary site says that woke means aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social injustice. The dictionary.com website says that woke means having or marked by an active awareness of systemic injustices and prejudices, especially those related to civil and human rights. Okay, so that's what the guy means when he asks me, are you woke? Uh, and, and in fact, we know that, don't we? Because it's that usage is all in the news. I mean, we hear that practically every day, if not every day. We hear something about being woke and those who are woke and those who are not woke. So the question is, am I woke? And should I, as a Christian, be woke? That's what we want to talk about in our lesson for a few minutes this morning. Thanks for being here. We appreciate your presence so very much. What a gorgeous Lord's Day morning we have in Middle Tennessee. And what a blessing it is to be able to come together with those of like precious faith and engage in the worship of God. This is a great blessing. I hope that we don't ever take it for granted and just assume that this is the way it is and the way it always will be. Uh, this is a great blessing. It's not always been this way for God's people, and it may not always be this way in the future for God's people, but right now we enjoy a great blessing to be able to come to this place, worship unheeded, nobody trying to stop us or interfere with what we're doing. The free exercise of our faith is a great blessing, and we're glad that you're here to be a part of it today. Uh, we especially greet our visitors. We're glad you came. We want you to come back whenever you can. All right, so what about wokeness? Should Christians be woke? Well, I want to start out by saying that the scriptures definitely teach us to be impartial and just in our actions. And in doing that, we are actually imitating God. There are several ways, I think, that we could argue that we are taught to be impartial and just in our dealings with other people. I think we could come at that question from a lot of different approaches, but I'm going to do it just simply this. I want to suggest that we should do this to show uh, our effort to be godlike in our actions. God is 
impartial and unjust, and we should strive to be so as well. Notice what Peter said in first, or excuse me, Second Peter chapter one, beginning verse three. According as His divine power given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby we are, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these notice ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so we are to be partakers of the divine nature. God's nature, to be like Him in our nature, should be our goal. And so we would strive to see things as He does, to react to things like He does, to, to think like He does, to, to judge as He judges. We want to be partakers of the divine nature. And so... When it comes to this business of fair and equal treatment of all others, we see in God what should be our pattern. We should try to imitate God. So what about fairness? What about equity? What about impartiality and judgment? What do we see of God in that? Because we want to be partakers of His nature. Well, we see that He is fair and impartial. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Notice, He wants all people to be saved. And so, God's treatment of mankind is not different to select groups of people. It is not the case that God has chosen some and and rejected others. He wants all people to be saved. Peter says the same thing in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Do you see that? I mean, that's not hard, is it? That's very straightforward and obvious. There's total equality with God. He wants all people to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. In Hebrews chapter 2, at verse 9, the Hebrew writer says, We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. God allowed Jesus to suffer and die so that everyone could be saved. Now, just based upon the verses that we just looked at, I wonder, and I'm, I hope that you would agree with me on this, I think that you do, how, how does the Calvinist explain the verses that we just recited from the New Testament? Plain, simple, direct, not hard to understand. God wants everyone to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Jesus died so that all could be saved. How does the Calvinist explain this? Because you understand that that the Calvinist and many of our religious friends in the world today follow the the theology of John Calvin from from a few centuries ago. But there are a lot of people who follow the idea that some are chosen to salvation and others are not. That God has predestined certain ones to be saved, but He has rejected others and they couldn't be saved no matter what they did. It's all been predetermined predetermined, prejudged, prejudiced. They would say that God has has shown a prejudice in choosing some and rejecting others. And the scriptures clearly say that he has not done that. How would they explain that? I think they have an impossible job on their hands if they're trying to justify that notion. Because the scriptures are very plain. God is totally impartial and just. And since that is his nature, that is the nature that we should strive to attain to. God is completely fair, absolutely impartial, and we're striving to be like Him. Notice what the Apostle John saw. The Apostle John writing about what was revealed to him, what he saw around the throne of God in heaven. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. 
After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from, notice, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne of the, and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Again, everyone is to be treated equally by God even to the eternal outcome of being around His throne in heaven. When Peter went to the household of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, I know you know this account very well. We even referenced it in our Bible study class this morning. Uh, Peter went to the household of Cornelius. Very significant, of course, because before this event recorded in Acts chapter 10, the gospel of salvation had gone exclusively to the Jews. Uh, But that was not God's eternal plan for the gospel. And Peter came to realize that here in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, verse 34, beginning, Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is, notice, no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So uh, the truth came clear here to Peter. And thereafter, the gospel was preached to not just Jews, but to also uh, to Gentiles, God wants all men to be saved. God is fair and just and impartial. This truth is just stated again and again in the New Testament. This, Romans 2, 11, there's no respect of persons with God. Ephesians 6, verse 9, there's no partiality with Him. Colossians 3, verse 25, there's no respect of persons. Now, I don't know how to state it any plainer than that, do you? I don't see how that could be doubted. In God's nature, He is completely impartial and just. If we are, in fact, to be partakers of that divine nature, then that needs to describe us too, right? And so when you ask the question, should Christians be woke? If woke means impartial and just in their treatment of others, then I would argue that the answer to that is yes. We ought to be woke in that way. Uh, now, if you want to see this put into practical human application, then look no further than Jesus. Jesus was the perfect example in these matters. Of course, Jesus is the perfect example in all matters. But in regards to this idea of impartiality and justice, he was obviously Uh, the perfect manifestation of what God would have us to be. His love and compassion for people was abundantly obvious as he went about his life and his teaching. Just look at several examples here quickly. Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Uh, In Matthew 14, 14, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion toward them. In Matthew 15, verse 30, Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the multitudes. Matthew 20, verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them. All purposefully just taken from the Gospel of Matthew. But notice how often the compassion of Jesus was mentioned, repeated over and over again. Let me take you to another well-known episode in the life of Jesus. We're trying to figure out, so how, how should we treat others? And, and should we follow this notion of wokeness should we be fair and impartial toward all yes yes i think the answer is yes we see jesus doing this here's an interesting episode in the life of jesus 
in John chapter 4, verse 27, he's, he's in Samaria. Now, just a little bit of background. I know you all know this, but remember that Samaria geographically lay between Judea to the south and Galilee to the north, and Samaria was right in the middle. And so people from Galilee, when they went to Jerusalem, had to either pass through Samaria going to Jerusalem and going back home to Galilee, or they had to go around. Because, and some did. Some went the extra miles to go around Samaria. But man, they just despised the Samaritans. The Jews despised the Samaritans. It went back, way back in their history. The Samaritan people were people who were there because they were transplanted there by the Assyrians. When the Assyrians carried the northern kingdom of Israel into captivity, they brought in, they took the Israelites away, they brought in these people from other places and and transplanted them there in the region of Samaria. And the Jews never reconciled with that. There was always animosity between the Jews and Samaritans. Serious, what we would call serious ethnic issues between the Jews and the Samaritans. So on this particular instance, Jesus and his disciples had been to Jerusalem and they were on their way back to Galilee. And they stopped near in Samaria, near the city of Samaria, where there was a well, and stopped there for some water. The disciples went on into town to buy some food. Jesus was left there alone. And you remember, a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus asked for a, for a drink. And it, it, it evolved into quite an important discussion about spiritual things but at the end when the disciples returned from town they remember they'd gone to town to buy some food and they returned back they saw Jesus speaking to this woman in John chapter 4 verse 27 at this point his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman yet no one said what do you seek or why do you speak with her notice this was unheard of they were amazed that he spoke with them. She, she really, you know, I think we could say she, in that culture, she had two strikes against her. She was a Samaritan and she was a woman. Even, even just being a woman was counted second class in that time. And so Jesus was going against cultural norms here in treating this woman with decency and respect. And his disciples were amazed at it. They were amazed that he would that he would cross over this ethnic boundary between Jews and Samaritans. They were surprised that he would cross over this cultural divide between men and women. And he talked with this Samaritan woman, and they were amazed at this. What does that tell you about Jesus? Well, what does that tell you about Jesus' wokeness, his impartiality, and his fair treatment, and his justice toward all? Pretty pretty plain example, wouldn't you agree? We know what Jesus taught his disciples to do. Just before he ascended to heaven, he, he delivered the so-called Great Commission. Matthew's account of that, Matthew 28, beginning verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Go and teach all... No, he didn't say go and teach a few select individuals. Go to just certain races and tribes of people. No, he said, go and teach all nations. It was Jesus' total reason for leaving heaven and coming to live among men. In Luke 19, verse 10, he says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's what he came for. And that's what he did while he was here. 
Now, I, I think we want to make a note here as we talk about Jesus and what he did. I think we've got to make a note that Jesus was not a social reformer. And I think that's important to point out because at this very time, Jesus was living during the time of one of the most immoral and corrupt governments that probably has ever existed in the history of time. There have been a lot of corrupt and immoral governments. I'm not saying that, 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 that this was the only one, but this was a bad one. The Roman Empire, which was dominant in the time of Jesus, which had control of the government of, of uh, Judea in the time of Christ, they were very immoral and corrupt. And Jesus never sought to, ch- to change or overthrow that government. He didn't try to be a social reformer at that level. His emphasis was totally on bringing men into harmony with God. And that's what we ought to do. So, what about should Christians be woke? Well, if we're talking about this business of being impartial and just and fair and equal treatment of all, we ought to imitate God in that. And, and Jesus did imitate God in that. Jesus was God. Jesus was perfect in this regard. And so I think we would say to the question, should Christians be woke? Well, we, we would say yes, imitate God. Yes, imitate Jesus in that. Now, having established that, here's the point I think we have to stress, though. The current societal interpretation of wokeness is actually anti-biblical. And so it really depends on what woke means. And the application that people are making, the liberal people in our society today, the application they're making is wrong. And the application is actually anti-biblical. Many people use this idea of wokeness to include tolerance for burning buildings and vandalizing communities. Oh, you have to allow that. You have to be woke. You have to allow people to to express themselves in this way. Uh, People ought to be allowed to loot stores. Uh, They ought to be allowed to threaten the lives of people. They ought to be allowed to attack law enforcement people. Oh, you've got to be woke. you just got to allow all of that to happen. Uh, And if you disagree, by the way, if you disagree... You are not woke, and you are not to be tolerated. That's what they say, right? And they take this, of course, much further than that. Now, this idea of wokeness, as that concept is being applied today, suggests that we should be accepting of homosexuality, for instance. And, and not actually just accepting or tolerant of homosexuality. We've got to go further to approve homosexual conduct. We've got to say, not only... I allow it, but also I approve it. I think it's a good thing. And if you don't, and if you're, if you're one of those very close-minded people who will not say that, you are not woke. You're just simply not woke. And now this sort of thing is to be accepted and taught. We're, we're, we're to say it's a good thing that we teach this sort of thing even to kindergarten children in the public schools. We're going to teach this sort of thing. We're going to make it a part of the curriculum to kindergartners and first graders. Oh, you're against that? You don't think that's a good thing? Well, you're just not woke then. You're not a woke person. Really? And then this business about gender fluidity, you know. Uh, if we're, if we're woke, according to the modern application of that terminology, 
then we have to agree that you can't really define gender. Almost comically, uh, the, the recent candidate for appointment to the Supreme Court in her hearing before, before the Senate was asked to define what a woman is. She wouldn't do it. She said she couldn't do it. You can't even define what a woman is. That's good, though. That's good for her. She's, she's obviously a very woke person. And you're not. If you say that there are identified genders, you can't do that. What about all of that? Well, I'll tell you, God is impartial and just, and, and Jesus manifested that perfectly. But I'll tell you, this application of wokeness that is being made in our world today is just totally wrong. It is, as I said, anti-biblical. In the text that Gordon read for us a few moments ago, in Isaiah chapter 5, beginning verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Would you agree with me that that is descriptive of the people we were just talking about? They call evil good. They call good evil. They put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Therefore, as the tongue of fire devours the stubble and the dry grass sinks down in the flame, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the Lord, the law of the Lord of hosts and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. You get the idea that the kind of thing that we're dealing with in our world today is not really new. We always remind that Isaiah lived 700 years before Christ. In Isaiah's day, 700 years before Christ, there were people who called evil good and good evil. That's always been the case, right? And that's what's going on in our world today. What happens then? I think this expression is interesting. Their root will be as rottenness. This just leads to total decay and rottenness in a world, in a culture, in a society like ours. This notion, when pursued, and it's being aggressively pursued, this notion produces rottenness. It's not new, but it's certainly evident in our world. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 1, the prophet says, Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it, because it is in the power of their hand. <laughs> you know what we would say here? These people lay awake at night trying to dream up new ways to do evil. And then when they get up, they get busy performing the evil that they have devised in their mind as they lay in their beds. How can they do that? Uh, because it's in the power of their hand. Because they can. They can, of course, and they do. But it's not right. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds, the prophet says. And so should we be woke in the sense of accepting all of this? And the answer, of course, is absolutely not. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 11, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Do not participate, even expose them, Paul says. So we're not going to sign off on that. We're not going to say it's okay. We're not going to approve of that. In fact, we should not even be silent about that. We should speak out. This is a job assignment. Expose them for these unfruitful deeds of darkness. Declare God's truth. Take a stand for what is right. We, you know, all of these people, these woke people, they, they claim that they're wanting change. 
in our world. Well, actually, we want change too. But what we want to do is change men's hearts to accept and do the will of God. That's the change that we should be seeking and working toward. But we cannot go along with all the evil that's in our world on the basis that it makes us good people because we're woke when we do that. And that's just a, a totally wrong concept. Thanks for listening. I hope our lesson has been helpful and encouraging to us to take a stand for what is right in our world. We would ask you finally, are you woke to the true realities of life? Uh, let me correct my grammar there. Are you awake to the truth about life and death and judgment? Are you aware that this life is not forever? We're going to die and face the judgment. Are you prepared for that? If you're not yet a Christian, of course, the simple gospel plan of salvation says, hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done that, we hope you'll make that decision. We'd be glad to study with you so you can make that decision. If we can help, let us know. If you're a Christian already, but you feel that you failed in your service to the Lord, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. Let us know how we can help while we stand and sing.